So we have a couple of things just to say before we sort of get kicked off. Uh, in, in a talk like this, it's very easy because most of you will have received an email. Obviously, we've been doing this sort of giving, we don't really like to use the word campaign, but giving reminders, whatever, for the last um, three weeks or last two weeks and then again today. But one thing you, it really matters to me, and I've wrestled this out before God to ensure that this definitely is the case. And as far as I can humanly tell, I know someone will probably quote, the heart is deceitful above all things at me, but as far as I can tell, and as far as before God I can tell, please know that in doing this talk, I am not trying to persuade anyone to do anything. It really matters to me that you know that. I'm not trying to talk people into giving or, or something. That's, that's not what we're doing. What I'm trying to do, I didn't even have a Bible passage. I just said to God, what do you want to say? I, I, what, you just tell me what you want to say. I'm not going to do that again because he's given me the most horrendous Bible passage that is so complicated. <laughs> um, I said, oh God, really? Um, but it just wouldn't go away. Uh, so please know, please know that. And I just want to pray for you now that that is what you feel and that's what happens. So Father God, I pray that no one here would in any way feel persuaded, um, certainly not by me, that God, I pray that we would all be open-hearted to what you're saying about our money, our possessions, and all, all those kind of things. We want to hear from you. And help me, Father, please, in, in speaking this morning, to enable you to speak to people, that people will be open-hearted to you. We thank you, Father. Okay, so if you've got a Bible, then uh, do turn to it. Unlike Nick, um, she always puts them up on the screen. I'm sorry, I haven't. But um, if you have a Bible, then, then, then Luke 16 is where you're headed. Uh, <clears throat> and, I, and then I will read. So this is, it's a parable. So this didn't actually happen. It's a parable that Jesus told. And it is, a parable is basically like, um, a bit like a fable. It's a, it's a story with a meaning. And, and there's a meaning that Jesus was getting at, and obviously that's what we'll unpick. But anyway, it goes like this. Jesus told his disciples, there was a, a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So we called him in and asked him, what's this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you're not going to be my manager any longer. Got to give account, even though I'm going to sack you. The manager said to himself, oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? I mean, my master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. So he called in each one of his master's debtors and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? Uh, 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked his second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill, make it 800. The master then commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world, this is now Jesus coming out of the story and speaking to his disciples. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Thanks for that verse, God. That's amazing. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? 
And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? You can't serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It is not an often talked about parable. And when you start to unpick it, you can see why. I have read this in about five different translations of the Bible, and I have spent more time delving into the original Greek than, um, than I normally would. Anything to try and give me some bit of a handle on some of the tricky elements in here that you, you say to yourself, it can't be saying that. It can't be saying that thing. I, I must be misunderstood. There must be something else. So let's just, um, let's just kind of slowly pick our, way, um, pick our way through it. So you've basically got a manager who's looking after some property for his boss. He's accused of misma- mismanaging. Uh, obviously, there was some foundation in it. He was sacked. But the manager said, give, give an account. The owner said, I want you to give an account of what you've done. So he's a bit, he's a bit sharp, this guy. And he goes off. Uh, and he finds all the people who owes his boss money and then cuts some, cut some of that debt down. Now, there is a little bit of debate over whether this was actually legitimately a crime as such. You would say, well, uh, it, of course it is. Well, yes and no. You see, the thing is, in um, Leviticus, one of the books very early in the Old Testament and under the Mosaic law, that's the law that Moses put down, you were not allowed to charge people interest. So instead, what they did, much like on Facebook, when they started getting the hang of, oh, okay, I see that um, it, it boosts me further up the rankings if I say it's free postage. Do you remember this phrase that happened in Facebook? Not Facebook. eBay. eBay, 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 not Facebook. No wonder you all stared at me blankly. Um, eBay, and they did that thing. It was always that plus the postage, right? And then it gradually changed. Oh, free postage. You go, oh, free postage. Of course it's not free postage. All they've done is they've just put the cost of the postage in the cost of the product, uh, etc. So it can work like this. And what they've done is effectively what happened a lot in those days from what we can understand they weren't allowed to charge interest, so they just charged more. They just overinflated the price for the product in the first place. So to some extent, you could argue that this manager was actually putting right or wrong. But either way, you can, you can make your own mind up on that. Who, who really knows? But the most interesting thing is the point that Jesus is trying to make. Please know that the owner, the landowner and the manager, this isn't like God and, and this is Jesus and Jesus isn't the manager and all that sort of thing. You know, who, you know Angel Gabriel isn't one of the people who owed something. And it, it's not, it's not, that's not the point of the story. It's a literally a totally made up story that's not meant to be um, an allegory in any way. But what happens is you get to the end and you find out that the manager calls him back in, sorry, the landowner calls the manager back in and ends up saying, (laughs) respect, I've got to give that to you. That's clever. That's sharp, that. I like that. The word the Bible uses is um, shrewd. It's a funny old word. We don't really use it much. Um, But it means prudently, wisely, intelligently. It means you've got business acumen. It means you're smart. You're like smart cookie. If it were a shot in snooker, then the next person who comes up to the table would tap the edge of the table in an acknowledgement of, yeah, that was good. 
That was good. And Jesus then, the point of the story is Jesus is then commending him. The manager is commended by the landowner and Jesus, Jesus says, wow, people who don't know me, this is like the summary of it, basically, people who don't know me seem to be way better at handling finance than people who do know me. You think, okay, yeah, we, we get that point, Jesus, we, we understand that. And then he says this. Um, he goes on to say, when he, he's cut all their bills down and everything, and he says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. What? Jesus is telling us to use wealth to buy ourselves friends? It is the most unusual verse, and this is why people don't speak on it, and this is why I didn't want to speak on it. You're, I'm sorry, say that again, God. I've read it in every translation. That's what it means. Use wealth to buy yourself friends. What? Very, very tricky. So he's commending them. He's commending this guy for having, being shrewd, for having sharpness, business acumen. In fact, it was um, Warren Buffett who says, I'll tell you the secret to getting rich on Wall Street. You try to be greedy when others are fearful, and you try to be fearful when others are greedy. I'm not particularly, again, like Jesus wasn't, commending a Warren Buffett, but it's that, yeah, as smart, as clever. And so Jesus says, use your wealth to gain friends. What, what does that mean, God? What, what am I supposed to go and buy people's affection? I mean, is there, what, what do you exactly mean here? And I've checked in my Bible, and, and, and it's definitely in red. So it was definitely, Jesus definitely said it. Um, you know, I've, I've checked. I can't get round it. I've even tried the message translation. It still means the same thing. So let's just read on a little bit, and then it starts to become a little bit, um, a little bit clearer. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself, so when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. I am pleased to say eternal dwellings doesn't mean heaven, because that at the moment sounds like, well, if I buy myself some friends, I can get into heaven, which, thank goodness, that is not what that means. This is what Jesus immediately goes on to say, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Ah, okay. Now I get it. Now there's a light shone from a particular angle. Every time, every time Jesus talks to people about money, money with God is always a heart issue before it's a practical issue. And money is always a question of stewardship for God. It's always a question of how are we handling it? How are we using it? Always. So when you listen to this and think, what's the point Jesus is trying to get across? Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, how will you be trusted with true riches? Oh, now this is getting awkward. Because what Jesus is saying is mammon, money. It's just, 
It's just a nothing of this world. It's just a currency of this world. I mean, if our, ti- if our eternal time is this, I know it hasn't got ends because it's eternal. Bear with. Our time on earth is like that, like a hair's breadth. And while we are here, we need money is the currency of transaction. And Jesus is saying, it's just a worldly thing. It's a, the love of it, for sure, is the root of all evil. And he's saying, it's just, um, it's, it's just a nothing. But he's saying, if you can't be trusted to handle that kind of just kind of filthy money, nothingy, worldly stuff, if you can't be trusted to handle that well, how are you going to be trusted with true riches? Do you want to know what true riches are? More of his power, his presence, his anointing to see specific things happen. So in other words, what the Bible seems to be saying is that how we handle money to some extent determines how much of God's power we see at work in our lives. That's really uncomfortable. I don't know whether it is for you. It really is for me. But that is definitely what Jesus seems to be saying here. And in a minute, I'll show you another passage that seems to confirm that. It's always very difficult when you see one thing in one place in the Bible. You have to make sure you don't build too much of a theology around it. If it's important enough, Jesus will have probably said it more than once. So you just look out for where he's also said, especially if it sounds really odd. So where it says um, here... So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Now, property here doesn't mean buildings. Property means stuff. It means just stuff. So what the Bible is saying, what Jesus is saying to his disciples here is, if you can't handle money well, which is just of this world, then then how are you going to handle the true riches that I want to be able to give you. Something I I sometimes pray to God um, is periodically, I say, God, never let me have more money than my character can sustain. Never let me have more money than my character can sustain. We see it so often in the world, also where people's gifts take them to places that their character can't sustain them. We see that so much. I was reading an article only last week all about um, um, footballers and how so many of the young footballers particularly are struggling because they suddenly get thrown into a world where they have epic, ridiculous, frankly, in my opinion, immoral amounts of money thrown at them. And they have no framework for knowing how to handle it. You're 19 years old and you're being paid 200 grand a week for kicking a ball around. And that's before any sponsorship deals. And they just don't know, they don't know how to handle it. Well, I'm not surprised. I don't think I knew how to handle 200 grand at 19. So um, here's a bit of a challenge for you. And this happened this week. Um, I've, obviously, most of talk preparation doesn't really happen set in front of a computer. Most of it happens while you're walking the dog or you're talking to friends or uh, whatever. This, this, some of this talk preparation happened while I was walking on the way back from Waitrose, um, which I don't go to that often, but we needed one thing. So I came back with three, because that's what happens in Waitrose, isn't it? 
Yeo Valley yogurts were on special. It just seemed too good an opportunity to pass, especially when it said on the lid, you could win 25,000. Oh, happy days, like that. Not that I've really fell for it. I just happen to love Yeo Valley yogurts. Um, I don't think I've ever won a competition in my life, but anyway, that could be about to change. Who knows? I've put in my token code. Who knows? Um, so I'm on my way back, and I, I'd forgotten to take the bag. Of course I'd forgotten to take a bag, because I was only going in for one thing. I didn't need a bag, and it was only a birthday card. So I'm trying to balance these two yogurts as I'm walking along, holding a birthday card and the dog, thinking, don't pull, dog, don't pull. If you pull, the yogurts are going. Um, and as I looked down, I looked at the lid, and it said, um, you could win 25 grand, because I think EO Valley are 25 years old or something, so they're giving away 25,000. And I felt God say to me, what would you do with 25,000? Like, if you won that right now, like that, what would you do with it? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I know what I'd do. Yeah, I've got, I've got a bit of a list in my head. I'm going to ask you that question. You can just have a moment to think. 25 grand. You win it, no strings, here you go, 25 grand. What's, what, what would you do with it? What would be the first thing? What about the second thing, third thing? What would you do with it? Buy more Yeo Valley. <laughs> um, <laughs> such a gorgeous yogurt. Anyway, um, that's a slight aside. So I came home uh, and I said to Nick, oh yeah, here's the thing, look, you can win 25 grand. And Nick kind of rolled her eyes and I said, so, here's the thing. If we had 25 grand, like right now, that we weren't expecting, and someone gave us 25 grand, what would you do with it? Oh, you're only asking to trick me. No, I'm not. I'm just asking you. This is the kind of conversation we have over lunch. What would you do with 25 grand? Really interesting conversation between the two of us. Like, would we do the same things with it? I'm not telling you. So... We disagreed on how much we should spend on a holiday. Um, but I can say, um, and this is not in any way to brag, boast, anything, not in any way. Honestly, our, both our first thoughts were, well, we definitely tithe it. You know, that's the first thing. And I think many people here would say the same. But that's because tithing is really easy when you get a lump of money you weren't expecting. It's much easier, isn't it? But um, so, I, you know, we did that. Um, we spoke between us about generosity. Uh, we spoke between us about um, a, a holiday. We spoke between us about paying some gifts to people and some things like that. Uh, we spoke about putting just a little bit of it away, and then we had a discussion. Well, how much of it should you put away? I don't know. How much should you put away? Money is only really ever doing anything when it's moving between people, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't put any away. So anyway, whole conversation, you can have that discussion at home. Jonathan Swift, who, anyone know what book he wrote? You literary people? Yeah, Gulliver's Travels. He said this. A wise person should have money in their head, but not in their heart. A wise person should have money in their head, but not in their heart. It doesn't say a wise person should have, not have it in their head and not have it in their heart. You should have it in your head, but not in your heart. Don't let money become a part of who you are. The thing is, when it comes to us using our money, not the 25 fictitious grand, I'm sure Yeo Valley are handing it out, and I await the check, but um, how are we using our money? What principles are, are governing our money use? 
your money use, when a lump of money, whatever it is, even if it's just salary, wages, um, benefits, whatever it is, when it comes in, what are the things that are directing you as to how to use it? What are your, what are your precepts that you're following, if you like, to decide how you're going to spend this money? And for you, is the tail wagging the dog? Or are we using the money? Is the money driving us? So is money serving us or are we serving money? Which way round is it? Are we scared of money? Does it have a hold on us? Do we always feel like, oh, I could really do with a little bit more? Even Stringfellow was asked, how much money is enough? And he said, more. He's got a lot of money. Do you have to have plenty of savings or does it burn a hole in your pocket? Whatever, there will be a set of precepts that we have that we follow when it comes to how we, use, uh, how we use our money. But with God, the thing is, money is always a trust exercise. So you're trusted with a bit and then ultimately God wants to be able to give you more because he says, well, you put it to such good use. I want to be able to trust you with more and I want to be able to trust you with true riches as well. So just to explain this a little bit, um, our, our two girls, um, 10 and 9, they have recently started walking home from school on their own. Uh, well, together, but at the end of the day. And it was a big deal on Friday because Lucy, who's 10, went home to a friend's house. This left Mads, who's 9. She wanted to walk home on her own from school. Five minutes away, one mildly tricky road, but at some point you've got to cross a road in your life, right? So um, we said, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do this as a bit of a trial. Let's see how you get on. Um, so I, I was a bit mindful at three o'clock when school kicked out, just thinking, okay, she'll be here soon. I wasn't worried. Honestly, I wasn't worried. I was just aware, like, okay. Just said, protector God, thank you. Help her not to be so head in the clouds that she forgets to look for cars, uh, that kind of thing. And, and then that was that. In fact, what did happen the day before when they both came home, Lucy had just done her 11 plus, and I happened to see out the kitchen window, I saw them coming, so I opened the front door and I went, doo -doo, doo -doo, like that, and Mads went, oh, Dad, I was looking forward to unlocking the front door. I went, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Shut the front door, stood away from the door, waited while they unlocked it. Do -do, do -do. I just did it all again. But, um, so Mads walked in. You could see just this grin. She was trying to be really cool. You know, yeah, I just walked home on my own. I just let myself in with my key, my own key. Um, but the p point is, we're going to trust her gradually. We're going to give her a little bit of scope and see what she does with it. When it comes to money, actually, we discussed how much money we would give the girls out of that 25 grand. They are not getting like a grand each. They would have no idea what to do with it at nine and 10. We'd have so much slime in our house. <laughs> I mean, it's been banned anyway, but honestly, they would have no idea what to do with it. So of course you're not gonna give a nine-year-old a grand. Of course you're not. So then you go to this bit here in Matthew. And this is Matthew 25. So if you're making notes or got a Bible, Matthew 25, 14 to 30. The parable of the bags of gold. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags, five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. 
So the one with two bags gained two more, but the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole, put it in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five bags of gold. Look, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done. Good and faithful servant, you've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received two bags came back and said, See, you gave me two. I have gained two more. His master replied, well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come, share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, describing God, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seeds. I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. See, you knew that I harvest where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered. See, well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would at least have received some interest, although not a lot. Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For those who have will be given more and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ouch. Ouch. Another one that you don't hear spoken of very much, or when people do, they'd say, oh, it's not really about money. Like, it, 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 it is about money, that one. It really is, uncomfortably so. There seems to be such a strong requirement from God for us to be faithful in how we use the money, and our, and our resources, not just money, how we use our resources. I had, uh, I guess, a bit of a revelation many years ago about the value that we place on things. And I remember I had um, a, a piano, uh, like an electric piano type thing, and I also had a, a keyboard. I don't mean like a Casio, I mean like a decent keyboard. In all honesty, after I used the keyboard quite a bit early on, my life changed, plans changed, all that kind of thing, I hardly used the keyboard at all. Hardly at all. I just I sat at the piano, played the piano, keyboard sat in its bag, and it would sit in the bag for months on end. And I would sometimes look at the bag and think, I know that keyboard cost me over a grand. It was 1,100 quid or something. And I felt God say to me, as clearly as anything, Chris, you're mistaken. That keyboard is worth nothing. Well, it definitely, it definitely is worth something, God. Uh, I mean, I, I went and bought it. I, I remember how much it cost. No, it's worth nothing. On the earth, it has a monetary value, but all the time it's sat in that bag, as far as I'm concerned, it's worth nothing. Drop mic, walk off. Thanks, God. It's worth nothing. So I decided, I said to God, fine. Just show me who to give it to. I'll just give it to someone. You'd say, wow, Chris, that's so generous. Is it? It was worth nothing. It's just sat in a bag doing nothing. Just sat in a bag doing nothing. This is, this is the value. We, we put monetary value on things. God doesn't put monetary value on things in that same way. 
because he's not always penny-pinching and counting in that. It doesn't work that way. It's a, different, it's a different mindset for him. That doesn't mean we shouldn't count money and know how much we have. That's, that's not the point quite of what I'm saying. So perhaps some of us, in this call to stewardship, where God is constantly saying, I'm looking to see what you're going to do. I'm looking to see what you're going to do. I'm looking to see how you're growing in character. Yeah, money, shmoney, that's over at the side. I'm looking to see how you handle your new house, how you handle what you have got or haven't got. I'm looking to see what's going on in your heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. It says in 2 Samuel, back in the Old Testament, but, but God looks at the heart. And that's what God's looking for. He's looking for how we handle some of these situations. And yet another uncomfortable truth that seems to come out of these two um, passages. Perhaps some of us don't have more money, possessions, whatever, because we don't properly look after what we have. Maybe. The Bible certainly strongly seems to indicate that God is on the lookout to give us more of, I won't say more of himself because he's given us all of himself, but more power, more of his supernatural ability to do things, more money, more blessing. He's on the lookout to give us more of that, but he's not going to give us more of that if it's going to turn us into spoilt brats or give us more of that so we end up depending on it. That's what happened when the rich young ruler came to Jesus. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, this, this, this. Yeah, 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 I've done all those. I've done it since I was a boy, I've done all those. And Jesus looked at him and he knew. Just a word. His wisdom, was it just a direct word from the Father? Who knows? And he said, you need to go and sell all you have and give it to the poor. And the man went away with a heavy heart. And it wasn't because it was wrong that he had wealth. We know that from other places in the Bible. The issue was his security and his identity was tied up in the fact he had plenty of money and had it all in the bank. And Jesus said, it's a stumbling block to you. Again, Jesus wasn't, oh, how much money have you got? Oh, don't know. It wasn't discussion about money. It was about the guy's heart was the issue, not the money. Perhaps some of us don't have more money because when I say we don't look after what we have, maybe we don't take enough care of what we have. So I don't mean that you're people are doing wrong things with the money. I think most people are probably know that if they're paying an annual subscription to a, a porn site, that's probably not really the best thing to invest into their life. I think most, most people would know that. But do you actually know how much money you have got? Do you actually keep any kind of accounting records in any way? So CAP, Christians Against Poverty, the organization, um, they find that most people, most, not all, most people who slip into debt actually have reached the stage where they've stopped accounting for their money in any way, stopped opening post, etc., etc. If you're in that position, oh my goodness, there is absolutely no judgment whatsoever. Do please come and speak to someone. We would love to be able to point you in the right direction and help you out. But the point is, are we being careful enough? And it's a tricky word because careful can often mean like, oh, I've got to be careful, I've got to put loads of money away. That's not what we mean. Are you paying enough attention to what you have so that you know what you can do with it? I think Nick and I have been definitely guilty of this in our own finances for sure. Sometimes you just don't give enough care and attention. Oh, I don't know what's going out. You know, I'll just see what I've got left at the end of the month. And that kind of attitude. And God's saying, well, I, 
I'm, I'm, I'm watching, I'm trusting you with that, I love you. I, I'm... Is, is that your attitude towards it? You just, you just put the card in and hope for the best? I mean, is that what... Okay, you know, I mean, I love you. We're not going to fall out over this. So we're called to live by faith, and that can be a real tension, but it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you can't actually... You can't be careful. You can be careful and live by faith. The two aren't, aren't uh, opposed. Sometimes they're in a bit of a tension, but often they can just cohabit quite happily. Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, uh, treasures on earth, rather, where moth and rust destroy, but instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Oh, gosh, there it is again. It's just uncomfortable reading. There seems to be this link between money and what our hearts are doing. As Jonathan uh, Swift, is that his name? That was his name, wasn't it? Yeah, Jonathan Swift said, it's all right to be in your head. Don't let it get in your heart. Do not let it get in your heart. But definitely make sure it's in your head and on a spreadsheet and on some accounting system or in a little, little book you've got in the corner. Just something, somewhere. So in a minute, what we're going to do is we, we are going to just take these little giving slips and we're just simply going to say to God, God, will you speak to each of us? I've got, I can't tell you what to go. I've got no idea. God knows your finances, and I'm assuming you roughly know your finances. God knows mine, and, uh, and I know mine. And we're just going to sit with that slip just for a moment, just in peace and quiet, and say, God, speak to me. Maybe he's already spoken to you, in which case say, do I still feel peace about that? Do I need to up it? Do I need to down it? Do I, whatever. This is um, as a result of these three weeks, well, not just these three weeks for, for Nick and me. Um, Nick is away at, uh, she is commissioning a new vineyard that is going into Dartford, by the way. That's where she is today. I should have said that, which is really exciting. Freedom Vineyard. Great name. We love that. So since about the middle of the summer, we knew, obviously, the finance uh, kind of talks. We always seem to do them about the same time each year. We asked a lot of other churches, what do you do? They say, oh, we do it at least four times a year. Oh, wow. Uh, well, we, we're sticking with one for now. We might do a little mid-year, mid like a little brief one, but... And we, we just keep saying the same to God. God, will you just speak to us? Please keep talking to us. Talk to us through this, but you ring other people up. Um, you speak to the leaders you have around you. Speak to the finance team. Speak to trustees, etc. And you ask questions. Constantly learning. God, speak to me. I want to be transformed by you. So these three key outcomes for, for Nick and me. Number one, we've increased our giving. Um, not because we feel we should. Honestly, we've got to the stage where we want to. Really want to. Number two, we have deepened our trust in God over finance. That's something that's happened. It's amazing how much you think you trust God about money, and then God brings this situation up, and then you start, you feel some anxiety. God says, I thought you said you trusted me. Yeah, I thought I did, God. Um, yeah, we need a chat about this, don't we? And then you have to pray, and you have to fast, and you have to push through some of that. And just say, oh, I'm sorry, God, I thought I did. I just got, I've got to know you as a good father. That's who you are. And number three, we have put more stringent measures in place in our house to steward our finances. And we've put more stringent measures in place to steward the church finances. We have a wonderful finance team that is made up of um, a bookkeeper, a finance manager, hopefully soon in the next month or so, someone who does grants and funding. Um, 
two people actually who are doing all the, uh, the giving and coordinating all the giving, um, and also a finance trustee. And that, that, that team of people has been meeting now for nine months, a year, and it's so helpful. They ask such brilliant questions. So I guess my question to you is, what's the outcome of this three weeks for you? I mean, God is looking at how we use our money and resources for two main reasons, because he wants to bring you more finance and because he wants to bring you more of his power. I can't get away from, I didn't even choose this passage. I'm not going to choose this passage again. It's really uncomfortable. But there are so many places where God seems to link the two and says, I'm watching to see how you handle your resources. And let's include people in that. I'm looking to see how you handle people. I'm looking to see how you handle money. I'm looking to see how you handle your stuff. I had a kind of slightly guilty moment yesterday because I went to get a particular Bible off the shelf and as I pulled it out, I realized I've got, there were about nine there. I thought, wow, there are people dying, literally dying in the world because they're so desperate to get a Bible. And I've got like a couple of good news and the one I got given when I was first year senior at school and, you know, when the Gideons came in, God bless the Gideons and that little outfit, you know, I've got them all backed up. Oh yeah, but God, they're precious. Yeah, but they're set on the, they're set on the shelf, Chris, they're worthless. That's my precious word you got there. Then you, it's on a shelf. Then you have to start in the dilemma of which one of your memories do you give away. And anyway, anyway, that's, <laughs> I, slightly, I slightly digress. <laughs> but if it's okay with you, can, are you all right? If we, let's just pray. You don't have to stand. We'll just pray where we are. Um, just find that slip that you've got. Um, there are some pens, nothing like enough. So they're on the end of rows. Paul Dunning said to me, he said, don't worry, everyone has a pen on them. I said, well, women tend to have a pen on them because they have a bag. And then Paul just pulled one out of his pocket. <laughs> when I always have a pen, I'm like, Paul. So anyway, find a pen. Find, Paul's got one, yeah. <laughs> if you're short on one, Paul's got one. Paul Dunning, bless him. He's probably got a suite of them, color, red, blue, highlighter, you know. I'd, anyway, um, love him. We love you, Paul. Um, so just take that slip, and then in a minute, we're going to do, uh, we're going to do the giving. We've got this, that kind of thing that we sort of promise that we're starting to say, just something we declare out, that we speak out. So we're going to do that in a minute as well. And then the baskets will come round, and then we're going to go into a time of worship and, and that. So I'll pray first of all, and then we'll just have a moment, just peace and quiet, let God speak. Father, I thank you that you are always on the lookout for us. You are, you are our accountability. You are seeing what we do. But not because you're a checky up sort of God, but because you're trying to protect us from having more than we can handle. You're trying to bring life to Ashford, to Kent, to this country, to this world. You're saying, I'm, I'm looking for people I can trust with money, yes, but with my power to see things happen that are crazy that shouldn't even really be happening and we thank you father that we don't have to be perfect this is not a test you're giving us it's not a test oh you only got 99 percent. bad luck maybe next time you're just looking at our hearts that's all father we love you 
Holy Spirit, just each of us where we are, I pray you'll speak to us now and just help us to know what to fill in, even if, even if it's zero or even if it's, I can't do anything yet, but I want to be able to do something in the future. Whatever, just speak to us, God. It's got to be what you say and not what any of us say. Thank you, God. If we can have the declaration up, we'll do it in just a minute. Uh, but for now, just have a moment, um, just a moment's quiet. That's all. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Any visitors here or like people for the first time? <laughs> no one's under any obligation to give. Definitely, absolutely not. So please don't feel any obligation. But nor would we wish to deny you the privilege of being able to give. So um, please don't feel any pressure in any way. Maybe we can um, just say this if, that's, if you feel able to. Should we stand for this? Is that all right? <laughs> I agree. Okay, as we receive today's giving, we are believing God blessing and increase, expenses decreased, debts paid off, gifts and surprises, favour for our businesses, raises and bonuses, cycles of poverty broken, checks in the post, jobs and promotions, entrepreneurial thinking, innovations that bring life and the resources to fund them. Thank you, Lord, for meeting my financial needs, that I have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God to promote the audacious love you have for your children and to invite people into knowing you personally. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.